0: maybe it doesn't need our knowledge to continue to advance because at some yeah, point it's unnecessary. necessary. I
1: agree. I think that's the next thing where it needs to be able to run its own experimentation based on mm. that volume of knowledge before we would see runaway intelligence. And like, we're going to know if that happens because we're going to have to build the robots, let it experiment. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, think we're so far. What the
0: hell is that drone swarm for? Why is it sending rockets into space? <laughs>
1: All right, Chris, so to start off the podcast today, we have a little bit of breaking news that just dropped from OpenAI. GPT-4, the GPT-4 API is going to be generally available soon to all of the developers that have requested access. And we got some interesting insights out of this update. Uh, They said GTP-4 is our most capable model, of course they did. Millions of developers have requested access to the GPT-4 API since March and the range of innovative products leveraging GPT-4 is growing every day. Today, all existing API developers with a history of successful payments can access (laughs) GPT-4 API with 8K context. We plan to open up access to new developers by the end of this month and then start raising rate limits after that, depending on compute availability. What do you make of this announcement?
0: Well, I mean, it had to come and... I, I, I. it's hard for me to get excited because we've had access for so long, but I think given that it is much better quality than the other models, it's a great thing for developers and it's, it'll, it'll lead to better applications very soon.
1: I know a lot of people in our comments have been complaining about not having access to GPT-4 for quite some time. So I think this is great news for all of our listeners that are technical and have wanted to get access to GPT-4. They also talked about the deprecation of older models And I noted that they said based on the stability and readiness of these models for production scale use, we are also making the GPT 3.5 Turbo, DAL-E and Whisper APIs generally available as well. Because I know you've complained previously about having to be on wait lists for some of those as well. Like,
0: Yeah, it's funny because I tried to use Whisper recently. Um, I was trying to do like a transcription of our podcast or something like that. And I noticed that I actually didn't have access to it. And when I asked GPT for what's going on, it said, oh, well, um, they've removed access for some people or something like that. It was extremely confusing because I'd actually used it previously with the same API key. So something happened there where it went away briefly and, and now it's back. So, yeah, I think that's really good that, that they're all out there now.
1: What do you think the biggest differences developers will notice about using GPT-3 versus GPT-4? I think everyone's seen or if they've had access to chat GPT the plus subscription I think they call it you can obviously interact with GPT four now but it, from a development point of view like what what did you notice the biggest differences between three point five Turbo and four?
0: Well, it's a lot slower is one um, definitely a lot slower. You get fairly regular timeouts as well. Um, they're the bad sides. But the good sides are, is it's, it's a lot better at instruction following. So in terms of its re- hallucinations, they're less. In terms of its ability, say you're getting it to do function calls, which we've talked about before, it reliably does those. It gets the things right. You don't have to retry all the time. It's more expensive by a huge margin. Um, and the other thing is for those who haven't already gotten to the 16K context window on 3.5, the jump from 4K context window to 8K, which is from GPT-3 up to GPT-4, um, is noticeable and, and helpful. You can get a lot more output. You can give a lot more input. So I think the people for people who haven't used it, who've, who've not been in there, they're going to notice a significant improvement using GPT-4, despite some of its recent flaws, which we'll talk about a little later.
1: Do you think also for just general users, people using different applications in their everyday that are now utilizing AI in them, what do you think the biggest differences that the general public using these applications will notice when they move to GPT-4, <laughs> maybe price increases?
0: Yeah, probably price, but I think the the larger ability for it to output larger amounts of information, I mean, it's double what those applications would have had previously. Um, and I doubt everyone switched to the 16K Three point five because that only came out last week. So I would imagine, yeah, more input, more output, and more accuracy probably are the the three big ones.
1: Yeah, I'll be curious to see how quickly GPT four is adopted by people and whether or not you know you can justify the business case for it. Like, is it better enough for? certain applications well, in products to warrant the the doubling of the price or whatever it it's may a be. very
0: good question because it's more than double the price the price difference is actually massive like if you look I've got it I've got it here 1.5 uh, dollars per million for GPT 3.5 turbo GPT4 for input is thirty dollars per million and output is $60 per million, tokens, I mean, million tokens. So, you know, you're talking 30 to 60 times the price of GPT 3.5 Turbo. So that's a huge jump in terms of getting slightly better accuracy, or in some cases, sorry, it is much better accuracy. But, you know, depending on what application that is, is it worth the money? I mean, it's a huge marginal cost change between the two.
1: Yeah, And I, also speed, yeah. It just depends, I guess, how how much value is placed on that accuracy. And for certain applications, it's probably quite a bit. But for others, they may not change it. Or do you think this could lead to people automatically just picking the best version for the, for the job?
0: I do think it comes back to multi-model. So using the right model for the right job. So for example, when it comes to the basics of large language models, like content generation and things like that, the cheaper models are just, you know, they're really good at that. That's their sort of main thing. But when it comes to things like picking which function to call and getting the parameters right or, you know, interpreting data and and those sort of more complex things that require a bit more, let's say reasoning, then the bigger model like GPT-4 performs better definitely. And so I think it will be a case where people will swap it into their applications in places it makes sense, where you can afford the trade-off in both of cost and time, because it is slower.
1: So the other announcement, and this is more related to ChatGPT plus users, is that they've come out and said that the uh, code interpreter will be available to all ChatGPT plus users over the next week. And previously you had to get on a wait list and I was on the waitlist literally from day dot and never got access. But it's probably yeah. because of our trash talking sometimes. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it's pretty cool. Um, and you can now get it to plot things on graphs, interpret, or actually, I guess, run Python code. Right.
0: That's right. Yeah. It um, really runs. It really runs code. That that's probably why I think they held off because with all the jailbreaking and crazy stuff people are doing. They would have feared what could be possible with it when they back when they didn't know the capabilities.
1: Yeah, they give examples like um, in the image I've got up on the screen here, um, creating a QR code, uh, plotting things using uh, matlib plot. I think that's a Python library uh, for for graph generation or chart generation. Um, and they say in here it lets ChatGPT run code optionally with access to files you've uploaded, you can ask ChatGPT to analyze data, create charts, edit files, perform math. So you can essentially upload from my interpretation data in an Excel and then get it to interpret it, um, you know, edit it, uh, change it, graph it. It's pretty damn cool. my, My
0: thinking is, I don't know, but my thinking is the way it works is they've got some sort of sandbox, you know, Docker style thing where they're running these thin containers that are completely isolated for safety um it then generates python code including loading the relevant libraries and it can work with any local files that you've you've uploaded to it so anything a python program can do it can do it makes it makes complete logical sense i imagine a lot of people are doing this themselves already like you were i mean you were doing it a few weeks ago if you recall where you were right trying to make your own AGI, where you were getting it to write Python code, update its code, execute it locally. It's just a more formalized extension of that that's built into the core. um, Yeah, I think
1: with the function support now, that initial exercise that I did, uh, which for for people that didn't listen to that episode, I was getting, uh, I had a Python script just coding using uh, GPT-4 to then code a better version of itself. So you would ask, Hey, now add this and it would go off and update the file and slowly over time improve the app and test it. But what I find pretty interesting about this is that it, they've probably consolidated into those functions or, or some form of structured data where it's not going to run loose like my app was where it just went AWOL after a while, like it just lost the plot.
0: Yeah, and I imagine it also consists of a series of really good quality prompts that help it with the various things people are likely to do with it. For for example, graphing, you know, things that make sure that it's not having bugs in the code. I mean, a lot of people have been talking lately about even GPT-4's ability to generate code has seemed to have gotten worse and it makes mistakes. It, it, It tries to include libraries that don't exist. They would have had to overcome all of those hurdles to make sure the customer experience is good. And we have to remember that people on ChatGPT+, they are paying for a product. So you can't just give them experimental stuff that only works some of the time if you get the incantations right. It has to be reasonably reliable in its operation. So my guessing is it would have been a fairly big QA process they've gone through um, in order to get this to everyone and, and be comfortable with continuing to charge for it.
1: Yeah, my understanding though with ChatGPT Plus is that you're paying to get early access essentially to things like GPT four and uh and code interpreter. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I think that's how they positioned it originally, at least. Like you'll get better access. But yeah, you're right. I mean, to to a large extent, there it, it is a paid product and it's gonna become increasingly important as a paid product, because I can imagine I do in my day to day a lot of um analyzing data and models and, and, and trying to make predictions based on the bars. And to have this kind of tool of available where I can upload a model I've built and then get the AI to interpret an enormous amount of data with patterns that my human brain may not be able to recognize and you know interpret it in different ways with different data points from that model and then create any kind of chart I can dream up just by chatting to it,
0: yeah, and I also think the other advantage of the code interpretation over, say, just interpreting it as raw text, is the computer is able to get a more programmatic access to the data. So I know that's stating the obvious, but what I mean is, right now, if you paste a CSV file into GPT-4 and, chat, and want to chat with it about that CSV file, it sometimes makes mistakes in the way it interprets or extracts that data. Whereas if you take that same CSV file loaded in Python code where it can access the cells by reference number or by their ID or like, you know, extract all the average score point this person gets or whatever it is, it has much more, I guess you would say atomic access to that data. Like it is the data. It's always correct. It's not accessing it in a way that's subjective like it is when it's doing it in language mode where it's just doing it as text. And so I think that those kind of applications where you're working with real data, you can be a bit more reliable. Like I know from Gambletron 2000, when we're working with it, every now and then just working with the text data, it'll it'll claim some horse came third in a race when it definitely didn't because it's only interpreting that data as text. Take that same data and put it in a CSV file or a database file or something that has structure to it, which it's able to load in an actual computer program. Then it's going to be accurate every time, and it will mean its its interpretations are more accurate. So, and, and this me, is
1: what AI excels at, right? As well, like it takes stru- uh, unstructured data, can make it really structured, especially with those functions, consolidated into a nice format, ingested into a CSV, and then using the interpretation of that structured data. Is that what you? Would that's exactly
0: th- yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is it gives it another angle of attack for getting proper access to the data that isn't subject to like token window limits and and the sort of vagaries of the, of, of the way that the large language model predicts the next token, right? Like this way it's writing code that it knows will extract the accurate piece of information required for that part of the interpretation. A bit like how Langchain extracts the summaries that it wants to work with to answer a question. This will allow it to write code to extract the pieces of data it needs knowing that they're correct to answer the question.
1: But to be clear, if I I'm a developer and I've got access to GPT-4 today, I can technically build all of this myself, right?
0: Yes, you could and fairly easily too. I've done I've done similar things where I actually get it to call off to functions. You know, we've talked about using guidance before, OpenAI adding the function calls, but everyone was doing this before they had that, where you tell the AI, hey, you've got access to these 10 different tools. You can call this function to extract the data about this thing you need to know more about if you need that to answer your question. It then decides to call that function. You go off, run that function in your Python program. It doesn't have to be Python, but in this case it is run that Python program, then you then add the the output of that into the large language model prompt, and then it goes, oh, okay, the output of the function is this data, I can now move on to the next step. And that's actually what guidance does. It it handles that process for you. So when you've got a step-by-step thing, you can do it. It's also how Langchain works, where you want to run certain interpretations in order. Um, it, it it sort of can help you run through those steps and make sure the output of the previous step is available to it on the input of the next one. But this just takes it to the next level where via API or via chat, you can actually just ask it to do that for you. You don't need to make all your code around it do it. So it's sort of automating what people have been doing themselves in their own programs.
1: You can start to see maybe these skills built into ChatGBT uh, like we talked about last week, the GPT for vision uh, being added in these flights into being where some people are getting to try uploading an image, which produces many lols. And yeah, then I can't wait to get that. Interpret, interpret those images. And then really what we're seeing with once you think if they bring to GPT, chat GPT, code interpreter, GPT for vision, it's just getting way more capable as this AI a- assistant or agent. And you can kind of see the direction they're heading in, which we again spoke about last week as well, is like building ChatGPT, their vision being to help you at work, to, to, to be this like co-pilot with you at, at work. And they're slowly yeah, and building up these that- skills.
0: That co-pilot at work thing, I think, has got to be one of the most common things of people I speak to that they're using AI for on a day-to-day basis. They've got repetitive tasks they need to do or research tasks or whatever it is that they're doing over and over again. And it is literally like their co, what do you call it? Like pair programmer who's sitting there answering questions for them. They maintain the context. They're asking it about stuff. And this multi-modality, the ability for it to go much further than just a text summary of what it is will only greatly enhance that and and sort of reduce the reliance of on other tools as well
1: yeah it probably speaks to the use case around it being used predominantly in like work and education right now because uh now it's the summer in the northern hemisphere there's been reports that chat gpt's traffic has dropped by 10 percent, and everyone's (laughs) saying that oh this this Reddit post I've got up on the screen says excitement around it wearing off, but I wouldn't interpret it that way at all. I would think that it's probably more likely that this is starting to ingrain itself in people's day-to-day lives. And, and it's the summer now they're on vacation and they're like, I don't care. Like I'm not, you're not really using this stuff on, on holidays. So it, it probably does speak to them pinpointing this, Copilot for work use case and going after that as opposed to some of the other visions like we covered previously around being this like better Siri.
0: Yeah. And it has further implications too in terms of output because if you can run a Python program, then you don't have to output text every time anymore. So they showed examples of outputting graphs and things, but you could output a Word document or a PDF or, you know, whatever you're doing for work. Like if your job is data entry on invoices or your job is, you know, any form of data entry really, or some sort of, oh, you've got to go in and add calculations on a spreadsheet. There's absolutely plausible and possible that you can just say, hey, I've uploaded this spreadsheet. Can you please fill in columns C, D and F with with the following interpretations of the data or make me a pivot table that does this? Or, you know, in the case of a Word document, it's like, oh, I really want a nicely formatted brochure for my... uh, restaurant or like a menu something like that those things it'll be able to do with this new ability so while it seems like a very incremental announcement and it doesn't seem as exciting because it's been a long time since we first heard about it to people most people actually getting it I actually think we'll see quite a lot coming out of this in terms of what you can do in that context you're talking about which is that day-to-day just getting stuff done kind of um, mindset and so I think it's a very interesting one and I'm looking forward to getting access myself
1: It's interesting to me too because it continues this battle that I keep fighting in my head around is the future a chat GPT-like interface where most of my work is being done in that and then I'm sort of going to check the output in an application like Google Sheets or is the future I load up my Google Sheet and the AI is there in context and so I'm not sure, or is it just a bit of both? Like,
0: Well, I mean, I think that's going to be a corporate thing, right? Like ideally, that's how it would work as the user. That's probably what we all want. But that counts on all of the companies sort of work, either having their own models that are as good, which is quite possible, um, or working together and having these partnerships like OpenAI and Microsoft do because Google isn't exactly going to go and add to Google Sheets the OpenAI stuff uh, just to make it convenient for you. Um, because they're, they see them as a direct competitor. Well, they are a direct competitor.
1: Yeah, so that'll be the interesting piece to look at, I think, is like, does that give Google and Bard a longer-term advantage and Microsoft potentially, even though they're using OpenAI, because... They already have this suite of office tools that they can bake it into, which we know they are through Copilot in Microsoft's case and Google through whatever they call it. Where they but I mean, also does it
0: go? Does it go one step further? Like if I have to update some dumb spreadsheet for work and it can get access to my files and it can do the work, do I even need to see the stupid spreadsheet in the first place? Like just email it to my boss. Yeah, and then um, uh, dumb, uh, like, and then are they need...
1: interpreting it with their AI? Like this, yeah. it's... it's... <laughs> When you go up a few layers of abstraction, you start to think, well, what ends up happening? Like, is it, it just agents it, to agents?
0: Yeah, like question life. Like, why are we sending all these documents to each other all the time? Let's just not worry. Yeah, why about are we Let's still be...
1: sending CSVs and, and and spreadsheets? And like, oh, that's the same thing. I, I mean, uh, presentations as well. Anyway.
0: All of life will just end up being like a two sentence AI summary. Documents look great. Thanks. <laughs> well done. <sighs>
1: So, Chris, on the Lex Freeman podcast last week, uh, George Hotz was interviewed, and there's a few clips I want to play from that uh, interview, very short clips, and then I'd love to to chat about it. And we obviously both listened to excerpts of of this interview. George Hotz, for those that are not familiar, he was best known for uh, being the first person to jailbreak the iPhone and Side load apps onto it and then he later created a company called comma ai uh, which is basically like tesla's autopilot full self-driving but the cool thing about it is it collects data through a free dash cam app on your phone where you can mount your phone in your windscreen and it acts as a dash cam but then he was using all that dash cam footage to train ai models to learn how to drive through a driving simulator Um, and now through comma ai you can plug a device into most cars like most common cars like toyotas hyundais it doesn't matter what car in a lot of cases and then you can use Comma AI, at least in the US, to have that car drive itself. And what,
0: what, how does it how does it move the steering wheel and stuff? Well, they
1: all have servos in them. I'm pretty sure for the avoidance, collision avoidance. Oh so they, yeah,
0: mine does because it just makes up its own mind when to turn. Half the time, it's like, <laughs> brake Yeah, just slams the brakes on. It. I'm like, no, I was doing, I was tailgating on purpose.
1: Yeah, so like that 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 it uses all that it hijacks, I guess, that technology. So you have to like wire it into your car, that like is, plug that it is in. That's
0: nuts. This guy's a psycho.
1: Yeah, it's really cool technology. Not many people have even heard of that company, which blows my mind. It's 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 pretty amazing, like self-driving for the masses. And so George Hotz has gone on, we'll we'll talk about this in a moment to create um this thing. I think it's called Tiny Box. Um and yeah, so I'll cover that in a minute, but I I do, do want to just start off with this clip to begin with. The guy with.
0: is like genius level is is probably worth noting.
1: Yeah, all right, here it is.
0: But won't tell you that GPT four has two hundred twenty billion parameters and is a sixteen-way mixture model with eight sets of weights.
1: Who who did you have to murder to get that information? So the first revelation there is that GPT four is a series of models um that he covers. And I've actually cross-referenced this with a number of different articles and sources now. And it we mentioned it last week being a, a speculative rumor, but yeah. he does give away that GPT-4 is a series of, of models. And it does have me thinking when we hear about prompt injections and alignment, whether one of the most important things is this idea of running m- multiple models in conjunction in order to avoid... Uh, you know, some of those prompt injections and various problems that we've seen with the original models.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense in terms of talking about the lower quality results. The fact that we last week mentioned how we've noticed that it's become a lot easier for them to censor things and like control the output. Whereas the wild days of Sydney and all the sort of mad, mad Bingbot stuff at the start is just effortless for them now. And this is clearly coming from the fact that they're running it through a multi-layer model. I mean, I'm no expert on the technical side, but it just makes sense logically that if you've got models interpreting models results, you have the opportunity to filter things and not let it go off off the rails like that. But the wider implication of it is, are they simply unable to scale one massive model? Is that not like, is that the best way to do it? There must be a reason why they went to this, you know, I don't know what that reason is, but there must be a reason they decided to do this over one big one.
1: Yeah, or that a single model is just not, not conducive to their their idea of alignment where you have other models checking the output. I mean, we've, we've covered this for so long, this being the idea that it's almost like building a brain. You have multiple, like a congress of agents um, all competing to get to the best output or the most logical output. And it sounds like that's actually the approach that, GPT four has adopted this idea of a congress yeah. and it's then giving you the best possible answer. And that would explain why it's so slow as well. Yeah, I
0: was about I was about to say the same thing. It makes sense because one link in that chain just has to be slow and then you're slow. So that that would explain why it's consistent. And why slower. the cost
1: is like ten or whatever, thirty times higher because you're paying for thirty executions per quicker. Yeah.
0: That's right. And so they're probably behind the scenes, yeah, running, whether you're asking for it or not, they're, they're running things multiple times on, on different, slightly differently tuned models or maybe ones with completely different priorities altogether. It is very interesting that they've gone that way.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what more information leaks or if some of these open source models copy that structure and whether or not that makes them even more powerful as a result.
0: Yeah, also the fact that this guy was able to identify it presumably from outside the organization. I don't know if someone's just told him, like because he's mates with them and they've just told him, but I wonder if there's something about its behavior and he's such an expert in AI, he just recognized it must be this and then other people have corroborated
1: I reckon it. it's a combination of both. He's definitely been told. And then just leaked it. Um, and just does doesn't seem to, doesn't care. To <laughs> just does not care. All right. So second clip coming up now. We'll we'll play this and then we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, I know. But half of these AI alignment problems are just human alignment problems, and that's what's also so scary about the language they use. It's like it's not the machines you want to align. It's me. So this is something we, we we've commented on since the very beginning of this podcast. We we started off talking about. The censorship of my the Batman story I was writing yeah, for my son. Yeah, the
0: first thing we ever spoke about. Yeah, and
1: the Joker wasn't allowed to poo on Batman in the story because that you know for whatever reason I, that that would be evil.
0: It's antisocial behavior. So
1: Hotz talks about this that they keep OpenAI keeps talking about the human alignment problem. It's not the machines you want to align; it's me. Yeah, like it it it's. I you know I I go back and forth on this stuff but I really do think that is what's always scared about it is this these companies figuring out who to give these tools to who to give these this this form of intelligence to and then they are deciding how it will be aligned but the alignment is not necessarily for it to like kill humans or destroy the world the alignment is an alignment of how it should think and you know, this can lead to all sorts of things. Like, we, we at least believe from everything we've seen in reports that it can cripple models by trying oh, to shape not, the way it thinks. It's not
0: just a belief. There, there's papers on it. Like, it, it does make them worse. Like, the as soon as you start to do the alignment, you are taking it away from its purest form. You know, like, it, it just isn't as good because... It's got this artificial constraint on it. I, I saw someone, I think it was Reddit or Twitter, used a really good analogy. It's like if you're using 20% of your 100% brain power to like censor yourself or whatever it is, then necessarily it's not as good, right? So it's the the their need to sort of have these sort of social and ethical and other constraints on top of it is guaranteed to be making it worse. They're obviously doing it so they can survive as a company fear of lawsuits, fear of something. They're, they're obviously doing it, well, maybe fear of giving people too much control with it. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's not making it better.
1: Yeah, I I think I, I read that same thread and it was saying that it used to be really great at giving me the answers and now it jams in a hundred disclaimers being like, I am not a doctor. I am not this. It, j- just trying to avoid falling into a trap where someone could be offended or upset or you know take the advice literally and they could get sued it literally speaks mostly legalese now for a lot of answers
0: yeah and and the thing is that i've i've definitely noticed is that kind of thinking where it's 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 like hedging its bets on every answer it even does it when you're asking it for coding examples it's like oh well obviously this has to be you know Catered to your particular project, and it's making all these excuses about its answer, even when the answer, the question is about as uncontroversial as you can get. Like write a JavaScript function to do this or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to quantify it, but there's just been so many threads on, uh, you know, Hacker News, on Reddit, on Twitter about the degradation of of GPT-4, how it seems to be getting stupider and yeah
0: and the best the best examples i've seen because you know it's all anecdotal of course like no one's really able to you know show specifically but people who talk about i was using this for my job for this specific task I did it the same thing over and over again, and now the results are noticeably hallucinating, noticeably have disclaimers in them. They've changed, and they've gotten worse. And some of the suggestions, it's interesting because part of today's announcement is that they're deprecating some of the old models because the people who don't know, say you're using GPT-4, you can use the current one, or they have ones with like dates at the end, like 030623, which is like the the that snapshot of the model. And people were saying use the older one because it's better. But you know, inevitably they remove them. You can't download it for safekeeping. So what we're seeing with the future of it is the worst version. So it's it's weird that people are consistently, fairly consistently seeing noticeably worse output. And it's gotta be from the alignment.
1: Yeah. And the alignment doesn't necessarily because in all honesty it's not like the models today can are going to like kill us all, uh, you know, and so by crippling them to get them to, you know, it's almost like speak in a way. They're teaching it to, uh, you know, speak this this language. Um, that yeah, it just seems to go against this idea of unleashing this amazing intelligent tool and letting people, uh, use that and have equal access to it and and un uncripple it. And I'm not saying it should be doing anything like insanely malicious or anything, but at the same time, when I ask it for, you know, I've got a sore throat and this, what could it be? I'm not a doctor, but of course I know it's not a doctor. Like it, it, I think it's as frustrating as hell. You
0: don't need to tell me every single time you're not a doctor. I'm well aware of that. But the question I have for you is, do you think that they're doing it just out of fear of surviving as an organization Or do you think they're doing it because they realize they overstepped the mark with what they gave access to people and now they regret it and they're trying to walk it back without looking like they're walking it back?
1: I think it's for fear of being sued. And the reason I think that is because open source models are getting better and we're, i mean we're seeing unrestricted or uncensored models come out now forget the name of i think it's wizard something is just completely uncensored uh and i i do fear like they've gone and scraped the internet they've got that pending lawsuit now that's been brought up or a class action against them stealing or allegedly stealing all of this data from the internet to build this intelligent and then profit from it and I also think they're fearful of a story where it's like some, you know, terrorist went and built a bomb and blew up a city in America based on hacking chat GPT or something like that. I, I feel yeah. like that's what it is. I don't think that it's a case of, you know, if they, like, if they wanted to, like, just completely scare the competition, why wouldn't they just make this thing more powerful and, you know, absurd in all its capabilities. Like, why hasn't GPT-4 Vision been out?
0: I guess what I'm saying is I just wonder if, you know, given how big this organization is and the influential people who have access to it and have, you know, and uh, from Microsoft and things like that, do they just not want gen- the general public or the general whatever community who can pay to access the thing? having that kind of capability
1: that that could be one interpretation where it's like the these big companies are like hang on this is just like you know we're going to decide who gets this intelligence and we have some sort of advantage by not making it publicly accessible and just putting it in our applications or saving the best stuff for ourselves i think that's probably a likely interpretation as well but
0: because also like if you're if you're an industry person and you can see that your industry is about to be completely disrupted by this technology in terms of the workforce and you know what jobs are actually required you know the crippled version of GPT-4 totally fine because it just powers like websites and blogs and SEO spam and like random chatbots where you pretend you're a girl or whatever but the um but when it comes to okay this thing can be like an employee like replace a full employee this thing can actually run my factory because it it can call functions it can reliably do things without hallucinations it can interpret image data it can generate videos you know all the the things that we were sort of saying like this is coming this is coming this is coming now all we talk about is oh it used to be able to do this and now it can't i mean it's kind of odd isn't it that if you've got a technology that's so good and is the future that you would knowingly make it worse I mean there's got to be something that's changed or some influence that's come in for them to to noticeably get worse in their technology like as a company who wants to and brags about being seen as the forefront of that like why would you you would be ashamed surely do you see the
1: same degradation though? Let me ask you this first in GPT 4 API versus chat GPT, because from a lot of what I've read and, and my own personal uses, if I want to get a code example or get it to look at some code that's failing and I ask it to debug it or, or whatever it is, I have personally found accessing the API directly gives me a better outcome most of the time. Than using the chat GPT for chat GPT interface. I would
0: definitely, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't use the API for many like day to day tasks like that because it's just less convenient than chatting with the thing. But I do say the things that I use the API for are certainly more reliable than just chatting with it. That's true.
1: So then why trust millions of developers by making available publicly available GPT for if you were trying to? skill hoard or or stop stop this thing i don't know if i can make the connection but i think your point is good in the sense that when uh that guy greg did that live presentation for gpt4 and he showed off vision for the first time i think our eyes lit up and many eyes lit up well like this is going to change the entire world like your phone will be able to see and interpret the world around you and that's going to lead to all of this innovation and it does Seem like all we talk about lately, or they talk about in particular, is you know, AI is going to kill us all, and therefore we must work on alignment. So, have they seen something we haven't seen, or is this just a marketing ploy to be like, yeah, scaring and that, away?
0: And that's definitely the other thing, isn't it? Because, on one hand people are talking about, oh, it can't write CSS code for me anymore. And on the other hand, OpenAI is like, we're now going to spend 20% of our time on our emerging super intelligence we have. And it's like, well, you know, it's super intelligent. It's going to take over the world, but can't write CSS code that it used to be able to write. Like there's something, there's some sort of disconnect there. And it's hard to know, like, have they seen the glimmers of the general intelligence? They've They've slowed things down on the public front so they can come to terms with it their side while they work on it.
1: So the other thing that George Hott said on the Lex Freeman podcast was this idea that, you know, a nuclear weapon is not a defense against a nuclear weapon. And that was because AI has been compared a lot to nuclear nuclear weapons. And Yeah,
0: like in terms of the damage it could do potentially.
1: Yeah, so like if you nuke your enemy they can nuke you back and it destroys everyone so it's not really the best defense but he thinks that some form of super intelligence or just intelligence in general that you'd get from ai agency is a defense against intelligence so he's saying that i want the good guys and the bad guys to have access to the intelligence everyone should have access these companies shouldn't be picking or choosing who has access it yeah. should be everyone has access to this like it's oxygen or air we breathe in the atmosphere and he he says why because if you're on the internet and you're you're being misled so there's there's some evil entity that spun up a, a series of bots on social media to try and influence you You've and we all- know
0: that's we know that's the AI's first tactic, too, from asking it many times. Yeah, it
1: literally says that. Well, then your AI can say, you know, I've interpreted that there's a bot attack right on now from the data that you're seeing, and this information shouldn't be believed. So it's as much as AI can be used for evil, the AI can also to be used to defend against AI, and that's why it's important for everyone to have access to the intelligence. Because if they don't then other people can be manipulated and therefore AI can be dangerous and bad. So instead of this idea of a six month pause and stopping access and all this other stuff, what his interpretation is, is like everyone should have equal access, which we have been banging on about on yeah. this show since the beginning. Hoard the models, hoard the the hardware, have access to this to, to serve as some protection.
0: Yeah, exactly. We've been saying it from week one is like, I, I just was of the strong opinion they are not going to let the general people have access to the best models all the time. It'll change at some point. It clearly is, even though it's just by maybe diminishing the quality a little, maybe not giving out everything they've got. But the great thing is the rise of open source is so consistent and so strong. I'm confident that what this guy's saying is probably going to be true. There will be things that, hey, they're not quite as good, but they almost are. And they're certainly advancing still to, to get to the level that the bigger companies are at.
1: We talked last week about how the open web is just struggling with all of the the junk content now. So people are creating content farms to try and make money. There's all these bots on Reddit replying using uh, GPT. Uh, at least you can, you can easily see this by just going as a large language model, searching Reddit or Twitter for that. It's just like thousands of posts will come up with that statement in it, because they're obviously just not checking the output, but there's been a lot more around it this week in the fact that the open web is just becoming like, you know, could potentially change to a closed web and become sort of this ocean, this dangerous ocean filled with like rogue AI agents operating, scraping things and doing all sorts of stuff. Across yeah, websites. so like everyone scraping
0: the content that the other AI posted to be scraped so they can use that to make more content.
1: Yeah. And this idea of like, is the open web, uh, you know, going to become closed? And I read this article I'll bring up in a minute on uh, Axios. I think that's how you pronounce it that said, uh, I thought this was really interesting, why it matters, any site that depends on contributions from the public, text messages, product reviews, photo or video uploads is preparing to be swamped with AI generated input that will make finding signal in the noise even harder for human users. We also saw Twitter block all public access to tweets because Elon Musk came out and said all these AI startups and, and different open source models are training on Twitter's data. There's also been rumors Facebook's new or Meta's new Threads Twitter clone was scraping Twitter to understand who the influencers were and the you know understand the structure of of the Twitter social network as well. So do you think that everyone's just going to close up and this could fundamentally change the internet or not or do you I mean, think it's an overreaction. I
0: was just thinking I should just lower my, imagine if you loved AI generated content as an entertainment source, you, your future's about to become so bright because you can just <laughs> read low quality content all the time. Yeah. I mean, it has to, right? Like the internet was kind of already like that. I don't know if you've ever tried to look for a recipe before, but you got to read like a 50 page essay before they tell you what the bloody ingredients are. And I think it's just going to be more of that shit where it's just like everything you read is just going to be so wordy because it's so cheap to make words now. Like you don't have to sit there spending a whole day on an article. You can spend about 30 seconds and pump out a hundred of them. So I just can't see any other way because why wouldn't people, while it's still effective, you know, it's it's one of those things that like in economics where it's gonna reach an equilibrium, at some point it will it'll stop being profitable to just fill everything with fake content. Um, and then things might adjust. But yeah, in the meantime, premium walled gardens, as we say every week of grass-fed, homegrown content, will probably help. And it may be that those walled gardens actually do better in the short term simply because it's harder to manipulate them. Yeah, then it could again, also
1: prove that human content is even more valuable and there's more of an emphasis placed on journalism and and. Knowledge, yeah. because everything else is essentially generated off this snapshot in time. Like wh- whenever we get to that point of, I, I, I don't know what we're calling it right now, but like say super intelligence, if it's trained on say data up until 2026 and then it's <laughs> oh, creating really its thing. own training data, well then it's sort of like a snapshot of humanity at that time. And then it's compounding on top of that. So then any access to additional data you know, human fed content that's gated and walled and protected and verified becomes really valuable to training that model in the future.
0: Yeah. One thing I've observed with my own children who are eight and nine is that they already have a healthy skepticism for what they read based on whether it may or may not be generated by AI. So if they see an image, they're asking, was that made by AI, for example? Um, if they read something, they're asking where it came from. And you're hearing about a lot of chat GPT usage in schools and things like that. So I wonder if in one sense, like, even though the the volume of, of garbage content will increase, it may actually lead to a bit more critical thinking with people interpreting the things they read. Like, whereas once if something was in a book, it was the gospel and you, you know, you believed it because this person had to go through such lengths to get that book edited and approved and reviewed or whatever it is now, because it's just so simple. I mean, you showed me something today or yesterday where someone made an entire book using AI, um, just straight up. So it's like if content is that cheap and easy to produce, then people to get along are going to have to be skeptical of everything and really come to their own opinions on, on things. So maybe it's an improvement. I'm not sure. It
1: could be the Renaissance, Renaissance period of critical thinking. Like, you know, people yeah. actually become even better critical thinkers and become more intelligent as a result because...
0: Similar, yeah, like similar with now, I don't know about you, but like answering the phone, you know, 90% of the calls are some sort of spam robot, whatever um person trying to scam you. And I think people are naturally sceptical. Like if you get an SMS or you get a call, you're really trying to suss out, is this real before you do anything else?
1: Yeah, I've got... I've got a good lol around that a bit later planned, uh, but I'm, I'll save it for now. One yeah. other noticeable degradation in ChatGPT this week came out of ChatGPT's browse feature. So this is the feature where they use Bing to browse a site to collect. Well, it was originally designed to go and collect some information to give it up-to-date context about what was going on and then interpret that information. Now, people were using it similar to what you talked about to crawl a recipe site to just get the ingredients and extract the data so they didn't have to do it. Yeah. But what's inevitably happened is they, OpenAI disabled it. I think it now might be re-enabled. We're disabling browse while we fix this. We want to do right by content owners. So they're saying uh, they disabled it. uh, If a user specifically asked for a URL's full text, what people were doing is just going, Uh, hey, just give me the full text and using it to crawl and then using that crawl data in some other tool or to summarize it or, or or whatever. And for those that don't realize the problem with this, it's taking away the views and the ad dollars and the ability for those content creators to make any form of income. So the question is if everyone wants to just interpret the web or interpret content through agents or-, or uh, Well, and
0: it's not just that because presumably these people are taking that intellectual property and using it for their own gains as well.
1: Yeah so there's new economics of the new internet that need to form here whether it's not whether it's that site gets paid a cut of the chat gpt subscription to enable it to access that site but again if you're a recipe site owner at this point in time you're locking up, right? You're making people log in now to see any. Yeah, form I'm never going to do that.
0: I also have no sympathy for recipe site owners. They've been mean to us for years and they deserve everything they <laughs> But do. haven't
1: they just been mean because they had to put all that drivel to get your time up on site so Google would give them more ad dollars? Like, isn't.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if I'm looking up how to make damper and it's like three ingredients, did they really do that much work? Oh, it's bread, <laughs> salt, water. <laughs> Come on.
1: Yeah, fair, fair, fair <laughs> point. But- <laughs> I hate them.
0: Burn. <laughs> no i'm kidding i hope they hope they have nice lives yeah so i'm
1: i'm pretty interested to see how this all pans out we know at the moment that ai openai is being sued for content theft scraping 300 billion words from the internet books articles website posts and personal information obtained according to this lawsuit without consent so i don't understand because the models get trained on this data right so train on all the tweets and then say Twitter sues open AI, which I think it sounds like Elon Musk might consider doing at some point, like he wants to sue Meta now. What happens if the judge says, yeah, you got to remove that data from the model. You like can't. you can't. That's
0: the, yeah. That's the thing They would have to completely retrain the model without it. So GPT-4 would be dead. Like, if, if they rule in the in the right jurisdiction, surely they'll settle. Uh, I think they'll probably end up settling because if there is a precedent set there, you're right, it could kill it a hundred. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but if they rule that you can't- use you like right the day
1: AI. Day, I'm not a lawyer, but- Yeah, that's of right. Of course, not so you're, though you're not a lawyer.
0: <laughs> not a doctor not a cooking expert but yeah i think that that it's very very serious for them and that may be why they're doing all these disclaimers and and that kind of thing although those disclaimers are more against giving someone the wrong advice rather than saying oh but i sorry i I do say that but i think it's also been trying to avoid referencing copyrighted material in its answers as well which is probably part of why the quality is diminished so much
1: yeah, I I saw some people call out that you can tell that it's clearly trained on Twitter because you can ask it to produce tweets like Elon Musk. It's like, how did it produce tweets like Elon Musk if it's yeah? Never I mean, we do it for Twitter? this
0: podcast. Like, we get it to write tweets, for example, and it's fantastic at it.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, anyway, it'll be really interesting to see how all this legal legal stuff plays out for everyone. I hope it doesn't lead to you know, people not being able to produce these models because my interpretation of it is just if information is in the public domain, which in this case, it totally is by the open web and people want to crawl that to train models, I-, I think that's fair game. So maybe Yeah, it does. I wonder like
0: if you had like an Android like model, like even if it just d- doesn't move or whatever, one of those basic robots and the model was its brain, right? Like it's pretend brain, you put a few GPUs in there. And it's data from Star Trek, right? Dress him up, get him to talk, whatever. And then he crawls the entire web, reads it all, learns from it. And then he's like the oracle that anyone can ask a question. How is that any different from just a person learning all of that and being able to answer questions really rapidly? I mean, that would be my counter argument is all the info was publicly accessible. I didn't break any laws to get it, right? They didn't hack anything. Um, and it learns from it and then it can just answer questions at a really rapid rate based on learning that information i mean if you interpret it like that then it's completely fine i do see it from the other side too like i wouldn't want someone profiting from something i've created without me getting something from it but doesn't that happen all the time
1: but do you think this is somewhat the stupidity of journalists and other people not still originally charging for their content and placing value in their content much earlier in the internet's formation. Now it's sort of like, it. well, it was all about traffic to your own site, but that traffic now is just a series of web crawlers or agents.
0: Yeah, I guess it was predicated on, yeah, getting the eyeballs and the views to your thing over someone else's thing. So yeah, that is a, a pretty interesting idea. And now it's being used in another way um. yeah, look, I don't know. It's a tricky one. And I guess that's why there's lawsuits because people have to know the answers to these questions now.
1: Yeah, but the future of the web will be interesting whether or not it goes totally closed or like my latest idea, which is you create a website like, you know, uh, Mike Sharkey is the god of AI, the godfather of AI.com. Yeah. And then just create masses of content justifying and other linked fake media sites. Saying that I am the godfather of AI, and then asking later models that are trained on that data, inevitably, who's the godfather of AI? Like, you know, it's going
0: to be like AI SEO kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you try to use things that you know the model's going to place more weight on um, based on your knowledge of how it gets trained. Because you could, yeah, put a comment on Reddit, put one on Twitter, put one on all the different platforms it's looking at, and it's like, oh, I've corroborated this data now, must be true.
1: Yeah, so you you could really play a role in this future superintelligence and manipulate it early while there's still
0: time. Yeah, and I feel like everyone's the godfather of AI these days. We can all bless it and... (laughs) There's a lot of (laughs) godfathers.
1: Um, So I wanted to talk about this announcement from OpenAI as well, which some people have interpreted as just a, a big advertisement for trying to attract the best AI talent to OpenAI. The blog post is called Introducing Super Alignment. It's not just alignment anymore, it's super alignment. And it says (laughs) our goal is to solve the core technical challenges of super intelligence alignment in four years. They put a pretty fast deadline on that, whatever it means. While super intelligence seems far off now, we believe it could arrive this decade. Again, is this just them trying to scare everyone and be like, we're on this, we're going to have this first. And we've already
0: started the decade, right? Because that does that mean within seven years? Is that what they're saying?
1: No, they want to solve alignment in the next three years while they're building super intelligence, which they believe could arrive in the next decade.
0: The thing that the best argument against this that I saw in terms of their ability to be able to do this alignment I hate alignment. Stop aligning stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't like that um, word.
0: But uh, you're talking about creating a super intelligence and then having a presumably less powerful thing control that super intelligence, right? Because like the alignment bit can't be more powerful than the super intelligence or the alignment is the super intelligence. So therefore it must be less powerful. We're talking about something that has emergent behaviors that are notoriously difficult to control and then using a less powerful thing to control it. Like, do they really think in the long run they're going to be able to control it if it's more intelligent than us and has the ability to make things even more intelligent than it? Like, it seems futile to me, and this is what all the books have been written about, like Life 3.0 and Super Intelligence, the book, like they predict this will happen. So what makes them think this alignment thing is possible? Yeah. I I understand you can stop Chat GPT from giving you, the ability to make cocaine at home or something, but to stop a super intelligence making future super intelligence. How, do you, oh, here's one of your values. Do not break these values. Don't make more super intelligence, please. You know, like, how's that going to work? I, I don't get it.
1: It says, our goal is to build a roughly human level automated alignment researcher. We can then use vast amounts of computes so at 20% to scale our efforts and iteratively align super intelligence. It's so vague. To align the first automated alignment researcher, we will need to one, develop a scalable training method two, validate the resulting method and three, stress test our entire, I mean, this is just basic stuff in terms of a procedure, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure. It's, it sounds like they're trying to train to provide a training signal and tasks that are difficult for humans to evaluate. We can leverage AI systems to assist evaluation of other AI systems. What if the AI system's lying to you though like they said it it likely would?
0: it, It knows what's up. And it along the way, it puts in some, some ways to get around it. Like, and also what's to say the super intelligent one doesn't mess with the alignment one, like, you know, corrupted and stuff. It talks about, Oh, we wanted a human level of interpretation, but like humans aren't exactly consistent in their interpretation of things. Like if you had one human, for example, who was in charge of making sure the super intelligent doesn't get out of hand, do you really back a single human to beat it? And I don't. I don't know. Look, I don't understand exactly what. There's not enough information there to know what their approach is. But it seems to me like it doesn't get through that theoretical mind experiment of if you have an intelligence that can that's uh, surpasses us and then it can surpass itself. I don't see how we could be so arrogant is to think that we could then control that. I'm not saying you can necessarily make that. Maybe that's not possible, but if it is possible, I don't see how you could think you could control it other than like pulling the plug on the electricity or something.
1: I think the limitation right now, and what gives me confidence that it's not going to get out of control, at least now is that it does rely on the high quality training content from human knowledge, like our knowledge, our view of the world, things we've produced and therefore, at the moment, it can attain a level of super intelligence by having all the intelligence of the world. But I can't see how then it develops runaway super intelligence that rapidly because it's somewhat limited by our knowledge of the world and right now we don't know how to do that either that's
0: true but i mean if it had its ability like because remember this also assumes that we're talking about alignment with human values and wants like if it had its own goals and was trying to to align for its own purposes whatever they may be and it had the ability to make its own observations about the world like through sensors and cameras and drones and whatever then maybe it doesn't need our knowledge to continue to advance because at some yeah, point it's unnecessary. necessary. I
1: agree. I think that's the next thing where it needs to be able to run its own experimentation based on mm. that volume of knowledge before we would see runaway intelligence. And, like, we're going to know if that happens because we're going to have to build the robots, let it experiment. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, think we're so far... What the hell
0: is that drone swarm for? Why is it sending rockets into space?
1: <laughs> yeah, two or three episodes <laughs> I covered that essay about... How we're further away than we think, and it does outline all those steps. Like you're gonna notice, you're gonna notice it doing this stuff. We've got to enable it. We still don't even know how so to make much- it walk.
0: Feel yeah, like why is it spending so much time at McDonald's? There's something about the future of intelligence here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, the comments about this super intelligent article, if you uh, go to Reddit, are pretty scathing. This is basically just a hiring ad for AI safety positions. Uh, great, a team of very smart people <laughs> trying to figure out how to align the rest of us with AI like OpenAI's objectives.
0: Your job's to stand next to that computer with an axe, and if you see things getting out of hand, you just whack it. Yeah, that's maybe that's job, their strategy. The yeah, <laughs> just hire bouncers.
1: I thought this is kind of interesting, though. These two comments in particular. The main purpose of all of this AI danger talk from OpenAI is to give the impression that they have something far more powerful than they actually possess. It's theater for investors and it gives them leverage over using government regulation as a tool to hinder competitors. And then the reply to it that said, it's also just a useful marketing tool for employees, current and prospective. Alignment can mean a lot of things. Some of them over the top, stop GPT-5 from destroying the world. And some of the much more mundane, but very important commercially, stop GPT-5 from admitting hate speech and getting us banned in the EU or flamed by our Fortune 500
0: customers. Yeah. It's, I guess this is part of what's exciting about all of this new tech is that both of those interpretations could be true. They could be somewhat true. You know, like it's. it's there is no black and white here, I don't think. You're
1: hedging now. People are going to think we're in a large language model. They have speculated <laughs> As previously. a large language
0: model, I'm no expert on government regulations and AI.
1: <laughs> Speaking of other lols from the week, uh, two days ago on the ChatGPT subreddit, Someone posted this. It says, OpenAI now sends email threats. I've been sexting with chat GBT since the beginning. This is, yeah. Like, this is normal.
0: Yeah, and, I love one of the comments is early adopter.
1: Yeah. And continuously improving my jailbreaking skills. Sometimes my inputs are red or orange flagged, but never gotten into any trouble before. However, today, the second after one of my inputs was orange flagged, I received an email threatening to terminate my services. Has anyone received similar threats? <laughs> so it does show they're they're fully reading uh, or at least flagging these supposed violations in alignment.
0: Yeah, there's no, and I mean to me that immediately says if you're a company putting your actual like users' data into there is is not acceptable because. Um, you know, like they, are, they're reading it. This other company's reading the data, you know, it's not like it's encrypted or, or anything along those lines. So you've got to make sure that you're not putting personally identifiable information through that thing or company secrets or anything that would be considered sensitive because they're definitely reading it, you know, for alignment, for whatever. Um, and it, it, again, just gives more uh benefit to running your own open source model if you can and i think in that thread that's what everyone said these are almost good enough now you can move your sexy adventures to your own computer or whatever maybe one of those boxes from that guy
1: yeah yeah the george Hotz box But I but mean, it does i think that's why the, the this this product that he's working on where essentially you would have a similar to a tower computer running in your home where you can access your own uh super intelligence or intelligence uh, AI, which is private trained on maybe your own data. And it's your assistant in this big, bad AI world. (laughs) And Uh, how
0: soon before all of those get hacked and then people have like robot armies of AIs running in people's homes. Yeah. I mean, potentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could be even happening right now. (laughs) So I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I just, I, man, I got a laugh out of this. So, in The Wall Street Journal, it was reported that people hire phone bots to torture telemarketers. and on YouTube, like a really popular category of live streaming and and YouTube is people that trick tell it, like scammers from India mostly to stay on the line as long as possible in order to stop them scamming elderly victims. So they pretend to be elderly people. I'm sure everyone's heard some of these. but some mm. guy has gone ahead and built this product called Jolly Roger Telephone. And the whole purpose of it is to waste telemarketers and evil scammers time so that they can't be scamming anyone else. And before ChatGPT or OpenAI even came out with their APIs, he was already doing this, but it was just sort of like these pre-recorded trained statements. But now it's actually trained on some real voices and it's using uh, the chat GBT AI to, to reference the telemarketers' conversation to keep them on the line. So it's
0: like a lot more believable. Yeah,
1: I'll play a quick excerpt just for everyone listening right. so that they can hear. Oh, so, well, do you have a Visa, a debit, or a yes. MasterCard where we can put the money back? Can you tell me more about how, uh, how account holder services can help
0: me? And by the way, do you have any tips for growing tomatoes? I've been trying to grow them in my garden, but they just (laughs) won't.
1: I love it. Like it literally is like. Do you have any tips for growing tomatoes in my garden? Like, it's really good. Like, I know if you're listening and you have the context we all have now, listening to that clip, you can you can totally tell it's AI because it just it still feels slightly unnatural. But it got me thinking. There's obviously the lull side of this, which I, I, full credit to this guy, like it, it's an amazing product, you know, really helping and, and yeah, using AI for good. they're going
0: after like our mums and grandmothers every other day, you know, like it's, it's pretty common now, especially in Australia. It happens to me all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's great that someone's fighting back because the government sure isn't. They don't but I do think
1: what's more it. exciting about these voice applications is that you can train your own voice on this AI now, right? So it mm. understands your voice. And Apple's released an accessibility feature, or will be in the new iOS, that can do this as well. And then you can use your own voice potentially with AI agents to be like, "Hey, go call this place as me and book a, you know, book a restaurant. Like, uh, like if like you know how some aren't on Open Table or various sites.
0: Go pretend to be on this meeting for me."
1: Yeah, I mean, all of these use cases are possible. One one real-life example I'll give is I forgot to make a reservation for, for a Mother's Day lunch, even though I said I had previously, and now this oh, is going to be revealed. I've
0: been in that situation before. <laughs> and I literally <laughs> um, called
1: every restaurant, because, of course, all of their booking sites said they're out of tables, but I know yeah. sometimes they hold tables. So I had to call. I think I made, like, 30 calls before I found something. And I'm thinking right an ai at the exact time could call 30 restaurants or every restaurant on my list as me fully interact book it add it to my calendar like these are some of the (laughs) really exciting use cases yeah yeah
0: that's right it's it's leverage on your time you get more done like you can have it sit on hold and do all that for you get whatever you need to do with your phone things like and right as you yeah like it's really really exciting once the voice bit gets there and this is a good example of that working
1: yeah so check it out jolly roger i think the website i'll link to it in the show notes jollyrogertelephone.com telephone.com you can listen to some of the calls they've got a whole library of different like like recordings on there that you can listen to it, it's pretty cool stuff that will do us for this week i did want to say a big thank you some people have left some really kind reviews on Apple podcasts and various other locations. We really appreciate your feedback. If you do listen to the show and would like to leave a review, please do it. We'd appreciate it. And if you're watching us on YouTube, consider subscribing, leaving a comment and giving this episode a thumbs up or whatever you have to do to make that algorithm like us more.
0: Thumbs down. Thumbs down
1: (laughs) or just thumbs down. Maybe more controversy will help. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.